All right, you all say good morning, good morning. Beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us today. Begin by thanking our sponsors for this morning. Share to thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of ER, Stephen Terizin, for dedicating all of Shurim and Joshos this month in honor of the birth of their grandson, Matan Shmuel Aaron. We hope that in the month of our Talmud Torah, this young man will be will grow to be an incredible mentor. So with that, let us begin. We have a beautiful daf ahead of us today. Where did we leave off? Mostly the shops is where we left off, which is two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, thirteen lines are from the bottom. So let's say, remember again, we're in the middle of the sugya, not in the middle, we're towards the end of the sugya of discussing what the Yisraelim are supposed to recite at the time of Birchas Khanim, right? We've been focused, hyper-focused on the choreography of Birchas Khanim. So what do the Yisraelim say? So the Gemara actually is saying that there are different, perhaps different responses, different Yisrael responses for different times of Birchas Khanim. So for example, so the Musaid the Shabzah, during Musaf on Shabbos, Mahin Omrim, what do the Yisraelim respond ultimately again during Berachas Konim? Amar Biasi, Shira Malos in a Baruch Hu Hashem Cholav the Hashem, Sui Dechem Kodesh Baruch Hu Hashem, Baruch Hashem Nitzion Shochin Yerushalayim Hallelujah. I believe so. These are the psukim that we recite. I believe in Nami Yivarech Hashem Nitzion Dechsibahu in Yara. Why don't you also add in the phrase or the pasuk Yivarech Hashem Nitzion? It's written in the same topic. Amar Bi Amar Bi Yudrei Yisshem and Pansi. Since we began with the praises of Hashem, ultimately we'll conclude with the praises of Hashem. Sorry. What about by mincha of a fast day? So what do the Israelim respond? The idea over here is that you begin to see is the Israel responses are supposed to be tailored to the nature of the day. So a fast day, a fast day, which maybe has an element of sadness or an element of suffering or an element of affliction. So the response, so the responses, right, there are tshuva, so therefore the responses reflect that. If our sins, right, if our sins are present in front of us. Mikveh Yisrael, Moshe Be'esarah, Okay, so a type of mem. So ultimately, again, Yom Kippur, what do we recite? What is the response for the Israelim? Amar, so the Gemara says, my Amar, Amar Marzotra, Amar Masnisa, Hine Kikin, Yivarech Gever, Yire Hashem, Yivarecha, Shemitzion, Ure'e, Betuvi, Rushalim, Koyime, Hayecha, Shalom al Israel. So I will say very beautiful, very beautiful response over here. Ultimately, again, really of a supplicatory nature, of a bracha nature, hoping that during this Ni'il of Yom Kippur, which is the sealing of judgment, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will bless us again, not just us, but our families as well with incredible bracha. Beautiful. So I will say, so now the Gemara went through all of the different responses of the Israelim for all the different times of year. So the Gemara says, Hechan Omran. When do you say all of these? In other words, when, at what point in Duchening is Yisrael reciting all of this? So Rav Yosef Amar, Bein kol bracha u bracha. Rav Yosef says, 
in between every single bracha. Rabbi said, what does that mean? Be'ikol bracha, bracha. So that it would seem, well, actually, Rav Sheish says, Bas karas Hashem. Every time that the name of Hashem is mentioned. So so it sounds like over here, Rav Yosef is saying is in between each line. It's in between each line. This is when the Yisrael responds all of these psukim. Rav Shesha says, no, the the Yisrael response is every single time the name of Hashem is mentioned. So, Pligi bara mari v'rav zivid, it's a machlokis rav mari v'rav zivid, chad amar psuka, the kabel psuka. Shabbos said, one opinion said, every single time the Kohanim say a pasuk, we recite the pasuk. It's almost like responsive. Now, obviously, the Kohanim are saying, berchas Kohanim. Our response are the psukim that are recorded over here. But they say a pasuk, we say a pasuk. Take a quick look at Rashi. Psukah the Kabbal Psukah. Rashi is the top line of Mem Amad Aleph. Shakohanim Omrim Pasuk Rishon. Vehem Omrim Pasuk Echad Me'elu. Go'anim say a pasuk. And then we say one of the aforementioned responsive psukim. Obesheni Hayu Omrim Hashemi. Obeshlishi Hashlishi. That was saying, remember again, if you notice, the way it worked is, the way it worked is, Every single one, of, right? The, the Gemara just beforehand recorded different responses for different days of Dochering. What was the common denominator? There were always three psukim of responses. Three psukim of responses. So therefore, again, interestingly enough, interestingly enough, what you have over here is you have, you have Rav Yosef saying, Rav Yosef saying, uh, actually, sorry, I'm sorry, we're now up to Rav Zivid, right? Rav Mar and Rav Zivid. So one opinion says, Psukah the Kabbal Psukah, essentially, the Kohanim would say a Pasik, and we would recite the Pasik. So therefore, the Kohanim end up saying three Psukim, we end up saying three Psukim. That's the first opinion. The Chad Amar, Akol Psuka Amar Lulukulu. The second opinion said, no, what would happen is the Kohanim would say, Kohanim would say a Pasik, we, the Israelim, would recite all three Psukim as a response to each Pasik. So, second, so essentially, I will say the second opinion says, we look at the three responsive psukim of the Israelim as a unit. So every single line of Berchas Kohanim, which would be recited by the Kohanim, would warrant or would, would elicit three responsive psukim from the Israelim. Okay? So we'll say, so again, it's either the Kohanim say a Pasek, we say a Pasek, so the Kohanim say three psukim, we say three psukim, three different psukim, right? One different Pasek each time. Or every single time the Kohanim say a Pasek, we recite our three responsive psukim as a unit. Good. Machlokes. Aram Chira Abba. Aram Chira Abba. Listen to this. Kala Omrin Bigvulin. Eino Ela Toa. So Chira Abba says, anyone who says these, these responsive psukim outside of the Beis HaMikdash is making a mistake. Is making a mistake. Now, we'll say, now what's the mistake? Take a look at Rashi. Rashi's on the last wide line on the top. In the Elatoa, Shalom Niskanu Lomar Ela Lichvod Shem Hayimuchad Haniska Bemikdash. So, what's Rabbi Chia is of the opinion that Halacha Lamaisa, the Psukim that were instituted were only instituted as a response to the name of Hashem. And since outside of the Beis Hamikdash, one is not using the name of Hashem. Therefore, one should not go ahead and respond with these psukim. I'm Rabbi Hanina Bar Papa. Teda, tebe mikdash nami lomi say, now, the truth is, if you're going through this sugya, and you're wondering to yourself, this is so interesting because I've never heard of this before, yet 
I have been going, I've been part of Birchas Karnim, either on, well, not really for the Karnim, but on the receiving end, as he saw, there's a good reason. Listen to this, Rav Hanin of our Papa says, even in the Mikdash, they would not recite these Psukim. Why not? Klum this is so beautiful. Is there such a thing as a, as a servant who is receiving a blessing from his master and is not fully attentive? That is, I will say, Birchas Konim represents a bracha from HaKadosh Baruch We saw this in yesterday's daf. Right? What does the, what, right, what, remember again, what's the role of the Kohanim? The role of the Kohanim is to serve as a conduit. The Kohanim are not blessing the people. HaKadosh Baruch is blessing the people through the Kohanim. Well, what's the proper posture? What's the proper stance of an Eved who is receiving a bracha from his master? And the answer is silence. Silence. When you're receiving a bracha from your master, again, you're quiet, you're attentive, you're receptive. So therefore, again, this is incredible. So Hanina Bar Papa says, we don't say these psukim. We, don't, we, we do not recite responsive psukim. Rather, what do we do during Birchas Kwanim? We are quiet, attentive, and listening. That's our goal. That's our goal. Said, no, not true. You should recite these psukim even outside of the Beis Hamikdash. Right? After all, there's such a thing as an Evid who receives, who receives a reward and doesn't express gratitude to his master. So those psukim is how we express gratitude. So incredible. So fundamental machlokas. Should we be reciting these psukim, or shouldn't we be reciting these psukim? And what's the machlokis about? What's the proper posture of an evet, of a servant, when he is receiving blessing from his master? Is it appropriate, ultimately, again, to be quiet and attentive, or is it appropriate to be appreciatively responsive? To which the in the beginning I used to say these psukim, but but once I saw Rabbi Abba of Akko, that he did not say them, Ana nami lo aminalahu. I also stopped saying them. That was that saying them. That was like, again, what's the halacha? The halacha is we do not recite these psukim. Right? If you notice again, so there is nothing responsive that we have in Birchas Kanim because we adopt the first position, which is as the servants, as we call are being blessed by the Master HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we stand in silent attentiveness. Now, I will say, what about the Ribono Shal Olam about dreams? Right? So we'll say, you'll notice, by the way, two things printed in this Sidra Mabirchas Kanim. By each of the, by each of the, by, right? Remember, Mabirchas Kanim, Yivarech Hashem, Yivarech the Kanim say each word. If you'll notice in the Sidra, by each of the words, you'll find psukim that are printed. So if one does want to recite those psukim, the Shukhanar Paskins, they're only to be scanned with one's eyes, and they are not to be recited. They're not to be actively articulated. And the reason for that is because during Berichas Kornim, again, the pastor is quite attentiveness. I will say, take a quick look at Tosis. Tosis, Kava Omrim Bigvulin Eino Elatoy. See that Tosis, second Tosis from the, second Tosis from the top. Tosis, Perishri. Afagav Darminan Beparakaroa, even though we're doing Sechus Brachas, Haiman Duchazi Chalma. So we'll say, now there is a concept that if one has a dream and one does not know the meaning of the dream, that during Berchas Kohanim, 
one is permitted to dive into HaKadosh Baruch Hu for interpretation of the dream and hopefully, again, a positive meaning for the dream. So the Gemara says, the Hasam, which I tells us, the Hasam, Mishum Sakane Hitiru, Shema Chalom Asukanhu, Shetarach Refua, Tafidu B'Shabes Hitiru Les Anos Tanis Chalom. So I said, this is interesting. What do dreams have to do with Berchas Kanim? So dreams, remember, again, reflecting the idea of Mesechus Brachas. So dreams have an element of prophecy associated with them. So therefore, again, dreams are often viewed as some type of message from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. During Birchas Kanim, there is a closeness to HaKadosh Baruch Hu that is unparalleled. So I say to Hashem, I had a dream. I'm not sure what it means. I wanted to have a positive outcome. That's the one thing that you could reach out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu to. And Rebosa, remember again, when is that done? When is that done? In between lines of the blessings, right? In between lines of Birchas Kanim. That's the only exception to something you're permitted to say. So again, so just pointing out over here, that's why even those psukim that are printed inside of the Siddur, we scan them with our eyes, but we do not recite them. We do not recite them. The only thing that can be recited is this Ribono Shal Olam Chalom Chalamti Ve'im Posero. So I dreamt a dream. I don't know the interpretation. So now at Birchas Kohanim, when there is a strong manifestation of the divine presence, you can ask Hashem for positive interpretation of that dream in between the lines while the Kohanim are singing, right? In between the lines of the, in between line, the stanzas of Birchas Kohanim. But that's the only thing that one is supposed to recite. Otherwise, the pasture during Birchas Kohanim is quiet attentiveness. Incredible. From Rabbi Yavo, listen to this beautiful Gemara. From Rabbi Yavo, Rabbi Yavo said as follows, Meirosh, Meirosh, Hava Amina, Invasana Ana. So let's listen to this. Rabbi Abel used to say, I used to think, I used to think that I was very humble. Right? I used to think that I was very humble. Kevan, Tichazina Lev, Rabbi Abba Dimin Ako, but once ultimately again, once I saw Rabbi Akka, Rabbi Abba of Akko, Amar Di'u Chat, let's listen to this. So you have, you have Rabbi Abba who said in the beginning, I used to think I was very humble. And then what happened? I saw Rabbi Abba of Akko, and then I saw what was real humility. Why? What happened to Rabbi Abba of Akko? To Amar Iyu Chat Taima, Va'ama Amori Chat Taima, Velo Kapit. Listen to this, it's actually pretty wild. Rabbi Abba had a Turgaman. And it was, what was the job of the Torgaman? So the Torgaman right, took the words of the Tana, right, he took the words of the Tana, and he, he kind of like distilled it into something understandable for the masses. So the way it should have worked was Rabbi Abba would say something to his Torgaman, and Torgaman would take Rabbi Abba's words, and, and, and again, make it into something, like I said, more digestible for the masses. Rabbi Abba said, well, listen to this. What did Rabbi Abba's Torgaman do? This is pretty wild. Rabbi Abba's Torgaman, Rabbi Abba's isn't the Torgaman, and Torgamon would go and say his own thing. Can you imagine that? I was saying, right? That chutzpah. Rabbi Abba, the Torgamon would just kind of do his own thing. That was saying, now, well, that's uh, fine. Well, Torgamon would say his own thing, and Rabbi Abba never got upset. Rabbi Abba never was saying, do you remember again? It was, um, who was it? It was like that massive state funeral in, in one, one of the African leaders, and the guy was, was it Mandela? Right? Yeah, it was Nelson Mandela. And the guy signing, the guy signing, like Mamish, like, did his own thing, or he didn't know sign language. Right? It was a whole to do. It was a whole to do. Let's say, so can you imagine, right? Rabbi Abba's giving shir. Rabbi Abba's giving shir. And the Torgaman, the Torgaman, is doing his own thing. He's just totally doing his own thing. And Rabbi Abba didn't get upset. 
Oh, right, that happened. Right, we had this in Yerche Kala. Right, we had this in Yerche Kala, right? right. You follow up with me afterwards. Good. Good. So the Gemara says as follows. Yeah, I had to throw out my smartphone after that, uh, after that uh, meeting. Good. Let's say, so, the, so the Gemara goes right there. So the Gemara says, So I'll say, what happened Rabbi Avo? Watch this. Let's listen to this. One time, the wife, the wife of the Turgaman, of the Turgaman of Rabbi Avo, was having a conversation with Rabbi Avo. Okay. So I'll say, so what happened? Now, um, I'm sorry, one second. Good. So one time, the wife of Rabbi Avo was having a conversation with the Torgaman of Rabbi Avo. And what happened? So she said, so the wife of the Torgaman said to Rabbi Avo, Hadidan, My husband, the Torgaman, doesn't need your husband. Right? In other words, just because my husband is your husband's Torgaman, don't think your husband is greater. My husband is actually a first-rate Talmud Chacham on his own, and he does not need your husband. And that which my husband is subservient, right? Gives, gives honor to your husband. It's only he's giving him covet. He's giving him covet. Now, I will say, Rabbi Avo was very close to the Caesar. It was very close to the Caesar. So the wife of the Torgaman was saying to the wife of Rabbi Avo, my husband doesn't really need your husband. And the only reason why he like gives covet is because your husband is close to the Caesar. Okay, so I'll say, so what happened? So Rabbi Avo's wife, Rabbi Avo's wife came and said to her husband, she was very taken aback by this. I'll say, by the way, there's a, there's a very profound, there's a very profound lesson in this. That sometimes a husband has to consider, sometimes a husband maybe will say, I'm not makbid on my covet. Makbid on my covet. I would say sometimes a husband has to think about if he's going to be mochel on his covet, he does have to consider the potential impact that that mechila has on his wife. It's an interesting dynamic sometimes that we as husbands don't necessarily think about. Especially again, sometimes again, in, in, in different types of positions. Like, I say, okay, I'm mochel, I'm mochel. But that mechila, but yet my, again, let's say these are complicated in Yonah because sometimes you can have a situation where a wife gives up a lot for the sake of her husband. And then again, if her husband is mochal on the covet, she's left wondering, well, what's going on over here? So just an interesting dynamic. How a husband always has to be cognizant that whatever he does has an impact on his wife and has to measure that impact before he takes action. See here, the wife of Rabbi Avo hears from the wife of the Torgamon, my husband is just as great as your husband. And the only reason she gives him, he gives her, he gives him COVID is because your husband's close to the Caesar. So the wife of Rabbi Avo comes back to her husband and she says essentially like, hi, my, you know, what's, what's going on over here? And he says to her something amazing, Allah, oh my nafkalech, my nafkalech. Rabbi Avo essentially says, what does it matter? He's Rabbi Avo says, says, listen, what does it really matter? Right? What does it matter if from me or from him, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is praised? In other words, Rabbi Avo was saying like this. See, it's clear the Torgamon wasn't saying anything wrong, right? If the Torgamon would be espousing erroneous ideas and ideology, then Rabbi Avo would have shut him down. See, he's saying good. He's saying good. 
Shabbat Shalom says, look, what's the goal? What's the goal? The goal ultimately is to disseminate the Word of God. Right? The goal is ultimately to bring people closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So what does it matter if it comes from me or if it comes from him? I will say, I just want to point out, that's leadership. That's leadership. See, I will say, the greatest danger of leadership is ego. So ultimately, again, what's the, what's the, this is the, the highest form of leadership is when you try to understand, what's the goal? What's the goal? The goal is not about my covet. The goal is not about my greatness. The goal is not about my fame. The goal is not about my reputation. The goal ultimately, says Rabbi Avo, is that Jews should be connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name should be amplified within the masses. So look, if the Turgaman hijacks the Shir and gives over his own Torah, as long as it's correct, right? as long as it's right, and the people are getting something from it, go for it. Go for it. I would say it's so profound. To, and this is, I would say, one of the hardest things, one of the hardest things whenever we get involved in something in life is when ego takes over. And it's so hard sometimes to distinguish between the goal and my ego. Or sometimes, otherwise, sometimes the goal becomes my ego. And sometimes to be able to say, what is the ultimate good? If the ultimate good is the, to amplify the greatness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what does it matter if it comes from me or if it comes from someone else? Such an incredible idea. Basu, Rabbi Avo, Imdu Listen this, I'll say another example of Rabbi Avo's, Rabbi Avo's humility. Rabbi Avo was, was asked to be the Rosh Hashiva. And what happened? Kevan de Chazir Rabbi Abba de Min Ako, Bali Chovos, Rabbi Abba of Ako was in debt. When you became Rosh Hashiva, you became Rosh Hashiva, you became wealthy. First of all, they would go ahead and give you a lot of gifts. And also, remember, again, I will say, it's interesting. It was felt, you see this in the eyes of Chazal, that in, for any person in, a, in, a, in, a, in an important leadership position, it's very important for that person to be wealthy. Now, for a number of reasons. Number one, if you're wealthy, you're not subject to anyone's influence, right? Which is a big thing, right? So again, I will say people are swayed by money for a whole variety of different... So if you're independently wealthy, right? If you're wealthy, no one could buy your influence. Furthermore, again, I will say wealth commands respect in the eyes of the masses. That's why the Kohen Gadol had to be wealthy. The king had to be wealthy. The Rosh Hashiva had to be wealthy. So then I will say it's incredible. Rabbi Avo himself was tapped for the job of Rosh Hashiva. But his son, Rabbi Abba of Akko, who's also not saying Talmud Chacham, had a lot of debts and would benefit much more from the wealth associated with the position. So he nominated Rabbi Abba for the position. I will say, isn't that incredible? He, he, he essentially foregoed the, the position of Rosh Hashiva, so Rabbi Abba should have it. It's incredible. Rabbi Abba, Rabbi Chibar Abba. Eglalahu Asra, I will say, it's incredible. Rabbi Abba and Rabbi Chibar Abba, went, they both went to a particular city to teach Torah. Watch this. Rabbi Avo Darsh Ba'agarata. So Rabbi Avo Darshan and Agarata. Rabbi Chiyabar Abba Darsh Bishmaita. And Rabbi Chiyabar Abba was Darshaning Halacha. Was it ready? What happened? Shafke Kuli Amdur Rabbi Chiyabar Abba. Fazla Gavid Rabbi Avo. Let's listen to this. No one went to Rabbi Chiyabar Abba Shir, to the Halacha Shir. And everybody went to, to Rabbi Avo Shir. It's not right. People love stories. Right, people, we, we all love stories. We all love Agarata. So what happened? I was like, can you imagine the advertising? Come in here, a complex analysis of the sugya of Yavamas, right? Versus, come in here, inspiring stories of Agarata throughout Shaz. Of course, where's everybody showing up? Everybody's showing up at Rabbi Avahu's 
No one pretty much, not, of course, not, no one doesn't mean no one, but it was a much smaller audience in attendance, Rabbi Chibar Abba. So I'll say, so what happened? <coughs> so ultimately, again, so I'll say, so Rabbi Chibar Abba was very upset. He was sad, means he was upset. Not angry, not angry. He was sad. He was distressed. He was distressed. Let me give you a marshal. I'm gonna give you a marshal. Two people. One guy sells precious jewels, and I will say one guy calls, calls right sells sidkis. We'll say the exact definition of sidkis, chachkis. Right? I will say so. What is Rashi says? Where sidkis is clay malachos nashim anin ki go plachim machtin sinoros. So we'll say so like needles and thread and thimbles. Things that, in other words, little things that people need every single day. So I will say, Amikovsin, tell me who's going to have a longer line at their store or at the right at their at their wagon. So obviously, I will say, Obviously, the guy who's selling the chashkis is going to have a longer line. But I will say, but whose wares, right? Whose wares are more valuable? Are more valuable? Obviously, the one who's selling the precious gems. But I will say, most people are not in the market for precious stones. Right? Precious stones only appeal to a very small segment of the population who have the appreciation and who have the means. So, of course, stories, agarata, that's like the chashkis that everybody loves, everybody. But again, right? So, Abba, um, I'm sorry, Abba, you're offering, you're offering the valuable merchandise. And most people, most people, can't really appreciate the valuable merchandise. So the Gemara says, so, we'll say, so, so you see Rabbi Avo trying to assess, trying to calm Rabbi Chibar Abba. Kol Yoma, have a melava Rabbi Chibar Abba Rabbi Avo, adush pizei. So we'll say, generally every day, Rabbi Chibar Abba would escort Rabbi Avo back to his house. Back to his house. Mushum yikar de bekesar. Hahu Yoma, so we'll say, so that, remember again, as we saw before, Rabbi Avo was close to the Caesar. So because of that, Rabbi Chibar Abba would normally escort him back to his house. Hauyoma that day, that day that Rabbi Chibar Abba was distressed. He loved Rabbi Avo, Rabbi Chibar Abba, Adush Pizei. That day Rabbi Avo escorted Rabbi Chibar Abba back to his home, back to his house. Va'afilu haki lo yisosim daitemine. Nevertheless, Rabbi Chibar Abba was still distressed. Rabbi Chibar Abba was still distressed. Right? I will say he was still distressed. I will say it's actually very interesting. That I want to point out. That's the end of the story. Right? That's the story ends. Story ends with Rabbi Chibar Abba being distressed. I will say you wonder to yourself. Why was Rabbi Chibar Abba so distressed? So it's easy to say, what, what was this, ego? Was it ego? He came prepared to deliver, you know, a dramatic overhead. He goes to Scotland residence. He shows up at a community, right? And what happens? Seven people come to the shear. So that's it. His ego was bruised, so he's upset. Jose, I think it's something deeper. Jose, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, what do you want to know more than anything in life? I want to know that I'm making a difference and then I'm putting my energies where they really want. I was saying, ever have a situation like this? I've had many situations like this, where, again, you do something, you're putting a lot of effort into it, and then the truth is, it doesn't seem that anyone really cares, right? Or it doesn't seem, for that matter, that anyone's really interested, right? And how do you feel after it? It's not ego, it's not ego. You're like, so what am I doing? So what am I doing? Right? So again, I'm here for a limited amount of time in this world. I want to make a difference. So obviously, again, if people aren't quote-unquote showing up or people aren't interested, 
So maybe I have to divert my energies elsewhere. Right? Again, that's all. I just, it's fine. It's okay. But see, sometimes like you try something or sometimes like even you do something for a certain amount of time and it worked in the beginning and now it just seems like people aren't interested. It's okay. But I just want to know where to put my energies. I just want to know that I, I want to work hard, but I want to make a difference. It sounds like what's happening over here. Chibra Abba shows up in the city to learn to teach Torah. No one shows up. No, when I say no one, of course, it doesn't mean no one. Right? Very few people show up. He's distressed. It's not an ego thing. It's not an ego thing. I just want to know that I'm making a difference. So if I'm not making a difference through teaching Torah, maybe I just have to find another avenue of impact. So it's nice that Rabbi Yavo walked him home. Thank you. Thank you. Rabbi Yavo, you're misunderstanding. It's not about the fact that you got more people at the shear and I got less people at the shear. Even if we had the same number of people, you had a few people. What's bothering me is I only got a few people. So what does that say about my efforts? And perhaps what that's, that means is it's time for me in life to experience a redact. You know, one of the hardest things in life is when you do the same thing for a long amount of time and then you're faced with the reality that's what? Maybe I need to do something different. And it's hard because I feel like I've honed the skill. Right? This is what I do. But yet, quote unquote, the people aren't showing up. The impact doesn't seem to be the same. So you can keep plugging away at the same thing or say, you know what? Maybe the Ribbono Shalom needs for me to have an impact in a different direction. And that's what Rukhiya Bar Abba is struggling with over here. Maybe I need to have an impact. And I will tell you so many times in life, which just ends up happening is people say, listen, this is what I do, right? This is my skill set, this is what I do. But, but you're not having the same impact. doesn't matter. This is what I do. So Rabbi Abba is one of those people which we have to grow into in life. Is sometimes like you do the same thing, you have an impact in a certain way, then maybe sometimes that avenue of impact ends. Then it's time for a person to reinvent themselves and find another avenue, another way in which I can have an impact upon Cloud Israel. Incredible. switching gears. When the Shliach Tzibor says modim in Chazar Sashatz, Chazar Sashatz, what is the Tzibor supposed to say? Rabbi says, So Amra Amrav, modim anach lulacha, Hashem elokeinu, Hashem elokeinu, al sha'anu modim lach. Rabbi says, this is the strangest thing. What are we supposed to respond? Right, when the Shliach Tzibor is saying modim in Chazar Sashatz, what should we respond? We should say, modim anach lulacha, Hashem, we have gratitude to you, Hashem, al sha'anu modim lach, that we have the ability to have gratitude. I have gratitude that I have the ability to have gratitude. As I will say, sometimes, sometimes, the highest level in life is the ability to discern what HaKadosh Baruch Hu does for me so that I could express gratitude. There are so many things Hashem does for me day in and day out that I don't even recognize, that I don't even know. Hashem, I have gratitude. For what? That I can have gratitude. I have gratitude that I can have gratitude. I have gratitude that you give me the ability to see the things you do for me so that I can have gratitude for those very things you do for me. Isn't that incredible? Gratitude for the ability to have gratitude. Gratitude for the ability to have gratitude. Incredible. Shmuel says... And what should we respond? Elokei kolbasar, right? Literally, God of all flesh. 
that we have gratitude to you. We'll say first of the widest lines, Rabbi Simai Omer, we should say again, our creator, creator of all living things, that we have gratitude for you. We express blessings and gratitude to your great name. That you have given us life and you sustain us. For that we thank you. We thank you that you've given us life, you sustain us, you gather in the exiles from all corners of our diaspora to the courtyard of your base Hamikdash to, guard, to give us the ability to go ahead and keep your statutes to fulfill your will with a complete name, for, or I should say, I'm sorry, believe with a complete heart. For this we have gratitude to you. So we'll say, if all this sounds familiar, Amrah Papa, Hilchach Nimrinu Lekulu. This is all great, and therefore, watch what we'll say, let's say it all. We'll say, we call this, we call this, Modim Dirabbanan. Modim Dirabbanan, we'll say that last part, if it doesn't look familiar to you, that last phrase, that's because you Davin Nusach Ashkenaz, but a Nusach Sfard, that is in fact the text of Modim Dirabbanan. So again, that's the entire text of Modim Dirabbanan. Beautiful. The, the, the reverence. Emas means respect or reverence for the tzibor should always be upon you. What this phrase means is as follows. The, 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 a person always has to live with a sense of respect. Kavit tzibor. Kavit tzibor means you always exhibit a respect towards the other. Now where do we see this from? We see this from the fact that the Kohanim turn their back on the Aron and face the people. Face the people, which was is a pretty tremendous thing. We never put our back towards the Aaron, right? As, as I sit here, right, with my back towards the Aaron, I'm to the side of the Aaron. So ultimately, again, the Kohanim go ahead, the Kohanim go ahead and turn their back to the Aaron and face the people. Listen to me, my brothers and my nation. Which one is it? Right? If it's my brothers, then why does he say nation? And if it's my nation, why does he say brothers? David said as follows. If you listen to me, ultimately, again, David was fundraising for the Beis HaMikdash. He said, if you make your donation to the Beis HaMikdash willingly, then you are my brothers. But if not, you are my nation. And I will rule you, literally again with a staff, and force you to make donations. The idea over here being that David HaMelech ultimately was saying is, if you conduct yourself in the right way, then again, Kavit Sibor says, I will treat you like my brothers, I will not lord over you. It's only if you don't do the right thing that I'll be forced to exert my monarchical authority over you. So we'll say, just another proof for this idea, that a person always has to makbid on Kavit Sibor. And I will say, this is incredibly important, which is why also we always have to be so careful about speaking about Klal Yisrael. You know, sometimes again, we make statements either about the Jewish people, about segments of the Jewish people, right, groups within the Jewish people, and we have to be so careful with covered Tzibor, so careful ultimately again with the honor and the dignity of Klal Yisrael, and we cannot say anything or do anything 
that impugns that honor or dignity. Incredible. Rabbanon Yerach, Rabbanon say from here, What's incredible? Kohanim are not allowed to go up in their shoes to Duchen. This was actually instituted by Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai, that Kohanim cannot go up to Duchen in their sandals. Now, what's the reason? My time, Lamushum to Kavit Sibor. is it not because of Kavit Sibor? Rabbi will be the Kavit Sibor. Often a person's sandals have mud, have dirt. So if you go up to Duchen, right, with your, with your dirty sandals, that's not appropriate for the Sibor. So you see, this is another example of Kavit Sibor. To which the Lord says, no, 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 that's not the reason. That's not the reason. You know what the reason is? What are we concerned about? We're concerned about saying that in the middle of Duchling, what's going to happen? The strap of the sandal is going to break. And what's going to end up happening? A Kohen is going to bend down to go ahead and fix it. And we'll say, if he's bending down to fixing it, then what is he not doing? What is he not doing? He's not Duchling. Jose, if you see someone not duchening during Berchas Kohanim, that can lead a person to think, oh, you know why he's not duchening? He's not a Kohen. He's not a Kohen. His mother must have been a Grusha or a Chalutza. His father was in a legal marriage. He's a Chalal. He's too embarrassed to admit it. So what does he do? What does he do? He goes up with the Kohanim for duchening, but during duchening, he pretends like he's tying his shoe. Right? We'll say it's the old pretend like you're tying the shoe trick. Right? Right? In other words, that, right? See, so he pretends like he's busy with something, so that this way, again, no one pays any attention to him. So, in order, now, meanwhile, meanwhile, all he's doing is what? All he's doing is what? He's actually legitimately tying the shoe, but it can cast total aspersions upon his genealogy and his lineage. Therefore, again, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was talking, you don't go up with sandals, you duchen barefoot. So, we'll say, so Mishnah Burr says today, we don't make the Kohanim take off their socks, right? So the Kohanim, we still duchen barefoot. That is part of the Takan of Yochanan ben Zakkai. But again, it doesn't apply to socks. We leave socks on. Good. So I want to say, Vaitra. Mikdash bracha achas. So we're going to get back to Mishnah. So one of the distinctions between duchening in the Beis HaMikdash versus duchening outside of the Beis HaMikdash is duchening inside of the Beis HaMikdash, we'll say, was said as one continuous phrase, right? From Yivarechacha to Shalom, ultimately, again, was one continuous phrase. The cult says in my brother memo of these forty B. The whole kach lama. Why? Why in the mikdash was it said as one continuous phrase? The she'ain onin amin b'mikdash. Because Rabbi say we do not answer amin inside of the base hamikdash. Amin is not answered. Rashi says therefore the kamal hafsik. So say so because amin is not answered inside of the base hamikdash. Therefore what? Therefore what? There is no need to stop in between the phrases. And we simply read it as one long continuous bracha and birchas kohanim. Now we'll say, what we're going to see when the Gemara says we don't answer Amen, what the Gemara really means is it's like this. We don't only answer. In other words, Amen, we, we answer a more, or we provide a more prolific response in the Beis HaMikdash, right? Amen <coughs> is too short or too curt or too little for the Beis HaMikdash. In the Beis HaMikdash, you have to do more. So the Gemara says, by the way, from where do we know that you don't answer Amen in the base Because the Pasik says, Stand up. Stand up and bless Hashem. From this world to the next world. Then So listen to this. So what they would answer in the Mikdash, so the Gemara used this Pasik. When you stand before Hashem, i.e. in the base of Mikdash, what do you answer? 
Mina olam vi'ad ha'olam. We'll say that was the response that they would make to brachos inside of the Beis HaMikdash. Mina olam vi'ad ha'olam. From this world to the next. Uminayim. Shal kol bracho bracha tila. We'll say in general, how do you know that whenever a bracha is recited, ultimately again there has to be some response. Sheneemar umeromam al kol bracho tila. So al kol bracho ubracha for every bracha, ultimately, again, give praise to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Incredible. So again, a point out of here. So therefore, just simply, the Yimra therefore says, because Amin was not recited, there was no need to stop in between the different phrases of Birchas Kohanim. And therefore, again, in the Beis HaMikdash, they said it as one long bracha. One long bracha, as opposed to Birchas Kohanim, Big Vulan, outside of the Mikdash, where we do answer Amin, each phrase is stated in the Bible. Now, we don't have time for it today, but I will draw your attention to Tosas. That, to- that first Tosas, are called Kachlama, Tosas does, does explain that in addition to Baruch Hashem the Olam, Bar- oh, I'm sorry, Mina Olam the Ada Olam, in the Beis Hamikdash, they would also respond, Baruch Shem Kivod Malchusol the Olam Va'ed. So Tosas explains that really that, that statement would be recited whenever they would hear the name of Hashem. Since in the Beis HaMikdash, they didn't just simply use a regular name of Hashem, but they used the actual name of Hashem, yud and then vav so they would always respond, Baruch Shem Kival Machusol Yodlam Va'ed as well. Incredible. But let's, let's get to the start of Mishnah. It says the Mishnah, Birchas Koen Gadol Ketz. I will say, it's so beautiful. What is the Brach of the Koen Gadol? I will say, Rashi points out to Bir, what are we talking about? Piyom HaKippurim, La'achar Shakol Sa'avodas Hayom, so this is on Yom Kippur. So remember again, on Yom Kippur, the Avodah was done solely by the Kohen Gadol. Entire day was from the Kohen Gadol. So now what the Mishnah is picking up with is, after the Avodah of the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur, he would read the Torah. That there, would be, there, would be a bircha, there would be a Kriyasa Torah. So that's what this is referring to. So Birchas Kohen Gadol Ketzad. So I will say, how did the Kohen Gadol make the Brachas over the Torah on Yom Kippur? So watch this. First of all, say there is the process of taking out the Torah. So Ketzad, Chazan Aknes says, not all Sefer Torah. First, the Chazan takes out the Torah. Rabbi say, who was the Chazan? Rashi says over here, Shamish Hakneses, Shetoreach Iskiaknesla, the Hachnes, Lotzi, the Hashit, the Steps. So we'll say, this is the Shamis. The Shamis, right? The, what was the Shamis in charge of? Logistics. Logistics, fine. So the Shamis would first take it out. Benosal Roshak Neses. Then he would give it to the Roshak Nesses. We'll say, who's the Roshak Nesses? Rashi says over here, he's the Gabbai. He's the Gabbai, right? He's the guy who decides who gets the Aliyahs, who davens for the Yomit. That's the Gabbai. But Roshak Nesses, no snow scan. The Roshak Gabbai would give it to the scan. The scan, remember again, is the assistant coin goggle. Vaskan, no snow coin. And the scan would then give it to the coin goggle. Coin goggle. The coin goggle, only the Makabal. The coin goggle would receive the Torah. He would open it up and he would read it. What would he read? The Kore, Achrimos, the Achbaasar. So we'll say he would read Achrimos, Achbaasar, which are the sections of Yom Kippur. Right? Achrimos, we just read it. Right? Was the, is the section of the Avod of Yom Kippur. Achbaasar is the sacrificial service of Yom Kippur. He would read those two sections. After he finished those two sections, Vagola Asa Torah, he would roll the Torah back up. Umani Chabecheko. And he would go and hold, and hold it, literally hold it by his chest. And he would say, there is more, there is more that is written in here than what I have read to you. 
Now, we'll say, now take a look at Rashi for just a moment. Why does he recite that phrase? He says, We're going to see the Kalingada would read a third section. But the third section he would read by heart. We'll discuss why that is. So because he would read the third section of what he was saying, he's kind of offering a disclaimer. Don't think that this third section is not contained in the Torah. The third section is, of course, in here as well. I'm going to read it by heart for a different reason. So he says, there's much more written in this scroll than what I have read to you. So what happens? So the Ba'am Yasei Mashkal Yisei Vechem Kasov Khan Ubaasar Shabachodosh HaPikudim Korah Alpeh Rebosei The third section, which is Ba'asor Ba'asor LaChodesh Which ultimately again is in Chomesh HaPikudim In Bamidbar He would go ahead and he would read Ba'apeh he, he would read by heart Umevarech Aleh Shmona Brachas Rebosei He would make eight brachas What are the eight brachas? Ala Torah Ala Avod Again, we'll discuss all these in the Gemara <coughs> He'd make a bracha of Ala Torah Al Ha'avoda Al Ha'odiyah So we'll say again You can actually point out But we'll see all these in the Gemara Al Mechila Sa'avon About forgiveness for sin Al Ha'amiktosh Nabes Ha'amiktosh Al Yisrael V'al Kohanim V'al Yerushalayim V'ashar Tzvilo And I will say Then they would go ahead And finish up the rest of davening. Good So we'll say We'll start the Gemara Shamis Mila What do you see from here? What do you see from here? Chol Kim Kaulatam B'makam Arav And I say What you see from here is that you are permitted to give honor to the student in the presence of the Rebbe. Now, where do you see this? We're giving honor to people in the presence of the Kohen Gadol. Right? Remember again, you're giving first, you're, give, you're giving to the, to the Chazin, the Chazin gives to the Rosh, the Rosh gives it to the Skan. So we're giving cover to all of these people in the presence of the Kohen Gadol. So what do you see from here? You see from here that you are permitted to go ahead and give covet to a Talmud, to a student in the presence of his Rebbe. To which the Gemara says, no, I'm Natural, natural. We'll say everything that was done here was a form of cover to the coin god. And Lord will say, if you think about it, you could, well, what could they have done? What could they have done? They could have just given the Torah to the coin god. So why, why again, from the chazan, from the ro, from the chazan to the rosh, from the rosh to the scan, this kind of, we'll say, what is it? What is it? It's a build up. It's a build up. And what does the build up do? The build up itself gives covered to the coin gadol. So this is not viewed, this is not viewed as giving covet to the Talmud in the presence of the Rav. Rather, all of this is viewed as ultimately giving covet to the Rabbi, giving covet to the Talmud, giving covet to the coin gadol. Right, so we'll stop over for today. Shkoyach. I will say, just wait till tomorrow. Just wait till tomorrow. All right, Shkoyach, everyone. All right, have a great day, everyone. Good to see everyone.